2: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. On DAB+, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. Women's Football Weekly, with Faker others, and leading guests from the world of women's football. Cuts back onto her right foot, Um. and finds the net! On TalkSport 2. Welcome along to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Molly Hudson, attempting to fill the sizeable boots of Faye this evening, but thankfully, as ever, we've got plenty to get through over the next hour. Manchester United stay top of the Women's Super League table as Mark Skinner's side thump Spurs. Oh, that's horrible. That's Paris. That's three. The ball
0: bounced back off Keris Harrett, but there was a misunderstanding between she and Selena Zadorski in there. And Paris gleefully rattled
2: in the third. Have Manchester City thrown their title hopes away? A shock defeat to Liverpool stunned Prenton Park. Coy Visto brings it back to Kearns. He's got space for the shot and rolls it home. What a finish by Missy Bo Kearns. In the second minute of the half, Liverpool have the lead for the second side this afternoon. And... It's seventh heaven for Chelsea as they thrashed Everton. Cuthbert has nicked that off Wheeler. It's Erin Cuthbert. Has gone for it and scored. Seven for Chelsea. They have annihilated Everton and closed the gap at the top of the table in style. That's all to come on Women's Football Weekly on Talksport 2. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others. I'm Mary Earp. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talksport 2. I've got Jenna Shalachi, the former Spurs captain, alongside me. Jenna, how was your weekend? Any coronation plans or did you just put your feet up?
1: (laughs) I actually worked all weekend. So I've been catching up on the coronation proceedings on the TV. But um, no, Saturday I was doing the Bundesliga, uh, the women's league. um, So Dubai Munich, who are flying at the moment. And then yesterday I just had a day of football, really. Although it was a painful one for me.
2: <laughs> yes, we will we will get to that later on. Um yeah, it was it was it was fun to see the Bundesliga actually. It's um I did see that. It's cool that it's on TV in England too. Like I think we're really seeing now a rise of all the European leagues, aren't we?
1: Yeah, definitely. And um I've I've been covering it a lot this season and it's uh it's mainly between Bayern Munich and Wolfsburg, but there are some other teams knocking on, on the door of those two now. Hoffenheim have taken points off of, off of Wolfsburg. So, yeah, even in the Bundesliga over there, it's it's getting stronger each season. But um, at the minute, Bayern are in pole position, but it's tight. Wolfsburg is one point between them. Wolfsburg have got a much better goal difference. So I think they'll be praying that Wolfsburg are just focusing on the uh, Champions League final.
2: I was going to say, I think any Arsenal fans listening might be quite sick <laughs> about Wolfsburg. So <laughs> let's move on. Um, it turned out to be a very happy weekend for Manchester United. Three nil winners over Tottenham Hotspur. Over 5,700 fans, at least Sports Village, to watch a team in form. Leah Galton, Lesia Russo and Akita Paris all found the net now. Despite that 3-0 home victory, Manchester United boss Mark Skinner doesn't want his tabletop inside to become complacent and he believes they can get even better.
1: I think we gave Tottenham their chances. I don't think they earned them. Um, I felt that the game plan that we had would have easily worked and it worked of course for the moments we wanted to create but we were were a little bit naive at times and and the reason I bring that up is obviously I'm driving standards. I'm really pleased. Look, like if I look at it, most points we've ever achieved in a season, the best clean sheet record I think we've equaled it today. Um, three different goal scorers again, three points. So there's loads of magnificent stuff. But for us, that'd be complacent to think that we were the very, very best of ourselves. So there's things we can tweak going into the final next week. It should be a different
0: game in, in itself, but. I want to keep us on our toes and, and that's what I must do.
2: Mark mentions those high standards there, Jenna. It was 3-0, but it could have been more. And it it feels like United's kind of standards are, are really driving this, this title charge.
1: Yeah, they came out of the blocks firing in the first half. They were completely dominant Um put Tottenham under so much pressure in that in that first half and so many chances and i think yeah if anything they'd have been disappointed in that first half that they they went in just with the two goals um two goals up but yeah i think you know they pressed high the fullbacks are up high. That they were aggressive in their press and made it really difficult for for the Tottenham team to play out from the back. And even with the high press, Tottenham continued to try and play out from the back. And in the end, you know, it was a mistake and it was a gift for Golton, But what a finish from Galtun! She still had a lot to do. Although you know it was played into her path by Turner, it was a really tight angle and the execution with the outside of her left boot was was exquisite. But yeah, she was she was on fire all game yesterday.
2: It was definitely one of those goals where I watched and I thought, yeah, that's why I'm not a professional footballer <laughs> I thought to hit that with the outside of my boot, one-on-one with the keeper. But look, she's she's been fantastic this season, hasn't she?
1: Yeah. I mean, she played a part in all three goals for them um, yesterday. And just, yeah, just growing each game. She looks like she's enjoying it. The whole team, the whole team do. I think in the last couple of weeks, Mark Skinner's gone in at halftime, unhappy with the perform the first half performance. But today they totally turned it, uh, sorry, yesterday, totally turned it around. And they come out firing and Tottenham couldn't deal with them. Um, they were pinned back. I think, you know, when you've got Beth England defending in your own penalty box for the majority of the game, it's not it's not a good look, but yeah, that's credit to Manchester
2: United and the way they set up. And we mentioned Beth England there. Obviously, she's she's looking to to show Serena Viegman what she can do ahead of the summer. She was watching this one in the stands. Three English goal scorers that we mentioned would have pleased her after Frank Kirby became the latest injury hit by Ness to be ruled out of the World Cup last week, having sadly had to have knee surgery. Now we just mentioned her there. One player, Viegman, probably won't be able to call on is Golton. She got that goal and assist, player of the match. She's previously rejected England call up for fear of disrupting the balance between her private and footballing life. Look, Jenna, I, I can't pretend to understand what that balance must be like, but it seems like it's certainly paying off, and it's it's paying off for Manchester United, isn't it, to have her in in such great form?
1: Certainly is. I think you know. I guess it seems like she's a player that cherishes those breaks to rest recover and and it's it's paying off wonders for her. I mean she seems happy. I know she's had a few struggles in her career prior to to joining Manchester United but she looks rejuvenated and you know it's obviously working for her so you, you wouldn't want to shift that balance of course I imagine Wigman now, given the injuries, would love to have her and be able to include her. But I I think ultimately you have to respect Leah Goulton's decision there and her her happiness and, and health must come first.
2: Now, it wasn't the greatest weekend for Spurs, was it? Do you think your former side will be okay? They are three points clear of bottom side Reading. They face next. That's a massive, massive game. And then they meet West Ham were in a pretty poor runner form themselves on the final day, so not too bad in terms of fixtures coming up, but a bit concerning how they've been playing.
1: I think you know, prior to yesterday's match, they found some kind of momentum. They went into Aston Villa and the Brighton game, and their two games they couldn't afford to come away with nothing, and and they didn't. They got the point. I think the Aston Villa. They were actually quite unlucky to come away with just the point in the end, you know, coming back twice and and leading and, and Villa scoring late on. And given what form Villa are in, I thought that was a massive point for them. Um, and obviously, again, against Brighton, it was a really competitive match. So I think they'll be really disappointed with those standards that they've dropped yesterday. Um, but now they've got two absolutely massive, massive cup finals. I think if you're looking at the quality of players that Tottenham have, they 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 should not be in this relegation battle um we've seen glimpses of it glimpses of it since uh Vicky Jepsen has taken over I think you know with Beth England on your team you've always got that chance you know you've got them goals which we've been starved of a a quality player and you know she's she's scored in nine goals out of 11 appearances I think those goals single-handedly are Uh, may keep Tottenham up this season um, but it's so important that they build and you know recruit well this summer if if they do stay up but I think you know that Reading game I think is is the cup final I think if they win that then fingers crossed they will be safe but yeah huge game Uh, two weeks to prepare for it now and it is as
2: I say it's it's a huge cup final for the club That weekend is absolutely stacked with games. I think I might need to clone myself. I don't (laughs) need to try and watch it all. Um, But next up, let's talk about the shock of the weekend. Liverpool beating Man City 2-1. Goals from Natasha Dowie and Missy Bo Kearns were enough for the win, despite Lauren Hemp scoring and having an effort bounce off the underside of the bar. Jenna, Liverpool showed what they could do on the opening weekend by beating Chelsea. We know we've got it in them, even if they haven't always been the most consistent this season. But this was still a pretty big shot, wasn't it, against a team that were right in the hump for the title?
1: It was. And I think with Man City, they've been going quietly about their business. And for me, I had them favourites to sneak into that, that top three come the end of the season. But you can't ha- help but feel that they they may have blown it now with that performance yesterday. Um, but I think you have to give credit to Liverpool. They've come off the back of a tough, tough week. You know, what a difference a week makes. Last weekend, they were thumped 4-0 by Leicester Um put... Turned it around, put a really good performance in against Chelsea, made it really difficult for them. And that was a big effort for them midweek to then come out and do the same yesterday. I thought um, I thought Man City were very sloppy in possession yesterday. Um, I mean, to concede the early goal in the manner they did was an, a hammer blow for them. It was just so sloppy, so slow playing out from the back. So much pressure from the Liverpool players. They were pressing very high and they just played into their hands really um and then yeah they had their chances balls come crushing off the crossbar and you get you got the feeling it wasn't going to be their game but I think you also got to give a bit bit of credit to Faye Kirby and goal the young goalkeeper had some massive saves there that potentially have saved their team and, and got them the the three points that those saves probably don't get talked as much as the goals do but they're as just as uh you know big and and needed as those goals
2: and you mentioned Kirby there as as you say it's been a been a pretty big week for her to be thrown in a teenager she's been really good actually in both games although they did obviously end up narrowly losing to Chelsea so yeah you're right definitely a a star to watch out for Um, this week Manchester City appointed Nils Nielsen as their new director of football and in his first interview he admitted that despite being impressed with the team's performances this season there needs to be a growth if they are to win trophies.
0: I think uh, my impression is that uh, I am also here because I am sort of a free thinker. So uh, so um, I have some ideas, but of course it has to be run through so it fits with everything. It's not something I just decide by myself. It's something we do together because it might just be me that thinks it's a good idea and then it's not going to work. <laughs> so so of course we we will discuss things along the way, but I feel like, yeah, There's going to be elements that we didn't see yet uh, that will fit into my role also.
2: So what do we think this means for the future of City boss Gareth Taylor? His contract runs out at the end of the season. He actually touched on it earlier on a few months ago. kind of wanted a decision to be made sooner rather than later. I think it's fair to say we were all probably waiting to see where City might end up and... Yeah, it, it's, it's not been the greatest weekend for him in that respect, has it?
1: No, and I guess a performance like yesterday doesn't really help its cause. You get the feeling, you know, if a club wanted you to stay, that that contract would be done and dusted by now. I think, obviously, they've fallen a little bit behind of late. Obviously, the big changes in the summer, but I think just obviously a bad game opening up. Um, I think it was Villa they played, chest in my memory now. Um, a defeat opening game of the season, and you kind of felt, oh, no, are they going to fall even further back behind the pack? But they didn't. They've turned it around and they were were in form up until yesterday. I thought, as I said earlier, I thought they were in with a real big shot. But, um, you know, they've had a lot of changes this season and considering they've they've done well. And it does take time to get those new players engraved in the team, get the culture right for the new players, the identity throughout the team. So it does take time. But... Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if if they miss out again this year
2: that that we do see some more changes. I'm Molly Hudson. Jenna Shalaki is with me. Coming up, we'll discuss the chasing pack for the title as Arsenal scrape past relegation threatened Leicester, while Chelsea continue to put the pressure on table toppers Manchester United. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. It's a wonder card! For women's Football. This is Women's Football Weekly on Talksport 2. The only show on national radio dedicated to women's football. Former Spurs captain Jenna Shalaki is with me. Don't forget, if you missed any of our shows or want to listen again, our podcast is available on the Talksport app, so download it today. Right, next up, we've got Chelsea 7, Everton 0. A long list of goal scorers in this one, really testing my presenting credentials. <laughs> so, deep breath, here we go. Guru Wrighton, Sam Kerr, a brace from Pinilla Harder on her return from injury, Sophie Ingle, Jesse Fleming, and finally Erin Cuthbert completing the route in injury time. Chelsea narrowly beat Liverpool in midweek, but there were no such problems against the other team on Merseyside this weekend. Absolutely thrashing Everton. Here's what Chelsea boss Emma Hayes had to say after the match. I think that's long overdue and we needed that. We needed the goals, we needed that efficiency. Um, Had some teething problems in the first half defensively where couldn't... Get the press right in the way that we wanted to but the team adapted to that and everyone who's coming to the team has performed well and it's great to have penila harder back scoring from her first touch you Now a great performance from everyone needed some goals and you know, i think that gives the team confidence we understand how to be in this last stage of the season and i think the team displayed that in the behaviors um see a lot of things we've been working on in the training ground and I think everything just came together in the right way. It's been quite the weekend for Chelsea forward Sam Kerr who led the Australian delegation as flag bearer for King Charles III's coronation at Westminster Abbey on Saturday. She scored Chelsea's second before going off with some cramp after having a bit of a stomach bug over the weekend and the Blues never really looked back. We We often wonder what Chelsea might look like without their star striker because she's again been fantastic this season but this wasn't bad was it? No.
1: I mean, if anything, once Sam went off, they really got into their groove. I think, I mean, what a performance from them. You'd think that, you know, given the week that they've had, the exit from the Champions League, tough match midweek. But then I think the depth and the quality of their squad really shone through. I think you saw the changes that Emma, Emma Hayes could make ahead of the match. She made a few changes and the standards and the, and the levels didn't dip one little bit. It's the standards are always so, so high. And every player she spoke about it time and time again is ready. They manage their players so, so well. And, and we saw that yesterday. And then obviously Kerr goes off and then you bring in on harder who scores with her first touch. I mean, she was incredible from the moment she stepped on the pitch and, you know, I think Chelsea have, I think harder being back, it takes that load off Kerr a bit. I mean, she's played every single game really you know, put in a lot of lot of hard graft for a team often isolated up top at times. And I think having harder backs, a big bonus at this stage of the season, especially with the amount of games they've got coming up.
2: I don't know about you, but it gets to this stage of the season and Chelsea, Chelsea just feel pretty inevitable, don't they? They just seem to click into this new gear, find another level. Um, I mean, we've, we've said it on the show all season, actually, for a lot of the time, they haven't been that great, but they've they've found a way, and you know, often that has been Kerr. But yeah, I guess how how much is is that important uh, experience? Sorry, important in in this title running because yeah, they they just look like they've found a new level.
1: It's massive, isn't it? And I think Chelsea Chelsea and Emma Hayes has been in this situation so many times before. She's experienced it year after year. She's got experienced players. She's got the depth. She's got quality. She's got players she can bring up, off the bench. I mean, we, we saw it yesterday. I felt sorry for Everton at one stage because she was making subs and the quality of players they were bringing in, you know, 6 nil down. It's like, oh, God, here we go again. Um, so, yeah, they've definitely got the quality and depth. And and as you say, they've, they've been here and done it before and look like they're finding another level just, just when they need it.
2: I suppose this is always the the age old question. Would you rather have points in on the board at this stage or games in hand? Chelsea have got two in hand, but they're four behind United. So obviously if they win all the games, they'll be champions. We mentioned there's that big weekend coming up on May the 21st. That They will play Arsenal that weekend, so obviously that's that's a massive game. But at this stage, do you think Chelsea are favourites or would you rather be in United shoes?
1: I think obviously you'd rather the points on board, but I think Chelsea being Chelsea and you're looking at the games that they do have in hand, I can't see them slipping up. Um, they are like a well-oiled machine when they get to this stage of the season. So for Chelsea, you know, they're, they've been... Sitting below the top teams most of this season, but I I can't see them slipping up in in any of their games. I think this is where they really come into their own.
2: We had a rare bit of Friday night women's Super League as Arsenal narrowly beat Leicester 1-0. Off the back of their heartbreaking Champions League semi-final defeat. It was a it was a pretty quick turnaround, actually, for them from that bank holiday Monday game. Arsenal got back to winning ways against Leicester City thanks to a goal from Freedom Marnham. Now it feels like it's been the same old story for the last few months of this season, Jenna. Arsenal were really having to show resilience. It's like Jonas Eidevel, at least he doesn't have a tough time picking his, his team because it's just about the only fit players he's got <laughs> left. Um, but they're finding a way to to grind out these wins, aren't they?
1: They are. And I think you've got to give credit to the players that are stepping up. There's a lot of young players in that team and, you know they've been so unfortunate. The whole spine of their team, experienced players have been wiped out, and then they're, they're really serious injuries. So, you know, it shows again the quality that they have. Um, I think the depth now has been depleted, obviously, as a result, but they do have some quality players still on that team, and and they're proving that, you know, they're still here, they're still fighting. I think taking Wolfsburg to extra time with a depleted squad. I mean, that just shows you the quality and I think sometimes when you're in a bit of a disaster like that, it brings your team closer together. You know, you, you become closer and you're fighting for absolutely everyone. You're fighting for your teammates that can't be on the pitch with you that are suffering and going through things personally. So I think, yeah, I think it's the players have reacted. The staff have reacted extremely well. I think the Leicester match for Leicester made it really, really difficult for them. Uh, they they were on the front foot. They were pressing very high. They were just making it very difficult. And it took an absolute worldie of a goal to, to break that deadlock and, you know, Leipzig has been saving absolutely everything of lately so it had to be something special to beat her and M- Marnham produce the goods.
2: They certainly won't want an injury to Frieda Marnham. She was their match winner on the night and she was thrilled to get on the score sheet, as she told Ian Abrahams. Yeah, it was important to get that goal. I feel like we all felt that was the goal was in the air as well and we had the chances so then it was just to put it back on it. How important was it tonight to,
0: to win, bounce back from Wolfsburg and because of all the, inter- all the injuries you've had as well?
2: No, obviously it's been a tough few weeks for us, um, emotionally and yeah everything that was with the Champions League as well, but I think we bounced back good today, we created a chance and in them we got three points. What has it been like watching teammates, good friends, get injured be out for the season almost on a, on a fairly regular basis? No, it's obviously devastating and sad. Um, It's the worst thing with sports injuries and when so many teammates get injured it's it's really sad and hurting to see so we're just going to support them to be back on the pitch. If you win all your games and hopefully be back in the Champions League, is that what the aim is now? Yeah, obviously we take one one game at a time um, and then we'll work from there. Marnam mentions the injury struggles there and Laura Wienreuter has been confirmed since our last show as Arsenal's fourth ACL in six months. Sadly, I think we we all pretty much thought that was going to be the case when we saw the way she went down. Jenna, is it is it remarkable bad luck? Is it is it maybe something not quite right at Arsenal? But either way, it's 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 really hit their season, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously it's bad luck. I think there's a number of factors around it. And I think it it's happening across the board. It's not just at Arsenal. They've just been very unfortunate that they've had so many players with the same injury. You know, I think at the beginning of the season at Tottenham, there were five or six players out with it, the same thing. So it is across the board and there's so many factors. And I know it's being highlighted a lot, but there is the research out there. I think, you know, loading the, the, the body, the, the, the women's body. I think since the game's um, obviously turned professional, there's a lot more demands on the body. Um, so, yeah, it, it, obviously it's unfortunate because they've got other injuries there as well. You saw Cat, Catley coming on. she lasted 10 minutes and had to go off again so yeah I think obviously I imagine in-house Arsenal will be looking at what what they are doing strength and conditioning their loadings to try and avoid this in future but I think they had this issue a couple of seasons ago as well where they had suffered quite a lot of injuries but with the ACL it's definitely across the board across the leagues and it's it's really it's worrying because it's literally happening every weekend you know, you log on to Twitter and you, you see another one's gone. It's, um, yeah, hopefully it gets looked into quickly and, and more research gets done.
2: And we'll be chatting to Claire Bloomfield from the European Club Association about that later on. But the battle to stay in the Women's Super League is far from over, as Leicester boss Willie Kirk knows. Here's what he had to say after the game.
0: They have almost got a point, and uh, what, what we never got points, but we did get a lot of pride at that, and we did get a lot of credit. I think uh, we—it was a deserved result. Arsenal deserved to win the game. You know, they showed more quality, they created more chances. Uh, a little bit disappointed with how little problems we caused their goalkeeper, but we certainly, we certainly were aggressive. We certainly tried to play in the front foot and as I said, no points, but, but I think plenty of respect and credit comes out of that game.
2: Leicester, two points from the drop with Chelsea and West Ham left to play. Do you think they'll be OK? And if they are, you mentioned it earlier on, Leipzig will have no small part to play. Another great performance from her and a fantastic signing, really, to, to get her in from, from Bayern Munich.
1: A huge, huge sign. And I think since she's joined, you know, the, the amount of saves she's, she's made... I think she was breaking records at one point every weekend with the amount of saves she's made. So definitely a game changer for Leicester. And, you know, they've obviously picked up a lot of points now since the turn of the year. Um, I believe they've got the quality within their squad to, to to survive. I think if you're looking at Reading's form and the, the games that they've got coming up, I think Leicester, if they can keep putting on performances like they did against Arsenal, I think they they will be safe. Just given on the fact that Red- Reading have some very tough games ahead
2: of them. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2 with me, Molly Hudson and Jenna Shilaki. Up next, we'll reflect on a crucial three points for Brighton and a heavy defeat for Reading, which has many worrying about their WSL status for next season. On DAB+, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. <laughs> Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. It's a wonder, card! for
0: women's football. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless: Ready to get thirty? Thirty? Ready to get thirty? to get twenty? 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 to get twenty? Twenty? to get fifteen? 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 Just fifteen bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash switch. Forty five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?
2: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football with me, Molly Hudson, and Jenna Shilaki is alongside me. Don't forget, if you miss any of our shows or want to listen again, our podcast is available on the TalkSport app. So... Download it today. Reading nil five Aston Villa. This really was the Rachel Daly show. Hat trick and two assists, she became only the third player in WSL history to register five goal contributions in one game. Obviously, Vivian Miedemar has managed it twice, as well as Guru Wrighton. Alicia Lehman and Kirstie Hansen were also on the score sheet. Now, it was a dominant victory. From Carla Ward's side and she was thrilled with the intensity and focus that her players showed. I think at Brighton we played some unbelievable football for 90 minutes but
1: today five goals, a clean sheet, three players back from injuries, two from long term and um, Ray daily hat-trick, all of those little bits and pieces they play a massive part and that's why I think today the squad are happy, fans are happy, players are happy so yeah it's, it's a good afternoon. The important. Was making sure we stayed focused because when we played Tottenham a couple of weeks ago, we didn't give that fully for 90 minutes and we let our foot off the gas. So the key message was don't let your foot off the gas. Can we play with an intensity? Can we, you know, continue to try and play in a way that we have all season? And, and we did that today. And um,
2: and that's a credit to the group. Not bad company there for Daly. Now on 20 goals in 20 matches in the Women's Super League, Jenna. Um, what a fantastic signing she's been for, for Aston Villa and well she she just keeps on scoring doesn't she she can't stop.
1: Yeah she's absolutely flying isn't she. Unplayable yesterday and part of involved in absolutely everything but yeah an incredible signing i think the recruitment from Aston Villa has been spot on. I think there's no surprise why why they are where they are in the league. I think they've brought in experience, a lot of good experience. It's really clever recruitment, you know, real quality experienced players that weren't necessarily getting the game time. And now the whole spine of the team is of, you know, really high quality. And I think when you've got a player like Rachel Daly leading the line, she's so intelligent. Like if you're watching her goals yesterday, the movement, you know, she just knows when to arrive at the right time in the box. All her finishes were one-touch finish. She knows, you know, maybe from being a defender, she knows it's harder to defend just a one-touch finish. So, you know, she gives the defender no chance to, to recover, get back in. It's just instinct and, yeah, a massive performance from her and, and a two assists as well. And She's now leading the, the top goal scorer, just jumped to her, um, above Danny Shaw.
2: Yeah, and that's interesting, actually, that you mentioned, I i suppose she does, she she has that both sides of it, obviously, we always talk about her being this utility player. And obviously, that's, you know, been amazing for England, certainly, um, with her role at left back. But yeah, I suppose it, it gives her something different in a game that a lot of strikers wouldn't have kind of being on the other side of that. I mean, she's, she comes up against some pretty good strikers in in defence for for England. Um, hmm. Yeah, do, do you think that gives her something something extra to her game? And and I guess where do you think this? I mean, poor Serena Wiegmann. She's not she's not the best best week. Everyone keeps getting injured, and now she's got a real headache of whether she goes for Alessia Russo, who she seems to kind of favour as has been her first choice striker for for much of the time since the Euros. But it's getting pretty hard to ignore daily, isn't it?
1: Well, yeah, absolutely. You know, how, how can you not play your, the top goal scorer in the league up top at, at the World Cup? It is a real headache. I think, you know, Russo, obviously, there's there's no denying her quality. She was so effective coming off the bench in the Euros. But I think looking at the World Cup squad, are we going to have that depth just given the amount of injuries that we've had? And then in you take Daly out of the defence now, which is depleted. Fingers crossed, you know, Millie Bright's back in time. She's a left-footed, you know, defender, which are, which are quite rare. It's a real headache. But I don't know how you can deny that the top, if she finishes top goal scorer, you know, she's proving week in, week out what she can do. I think it's a headache. I mean, she needs to stop being so good in every position.
2: I think we need two Rachel Dalys. We do. She needs need a sister. Solution. We need one <laughs> at left back, one a striker, and England will be absolutely fine. <laughs> Now, talking of being absolutely fine, it wasn't the best weekend for Reading, especially another hit for their goal difference. Obviously, they're bottom of the table. We've talked a little bit about those who were just above them, hoping that they stay there. Um, do you think they are favourites for the drop? And, and you mentioned they've they've got some tough fixtures coming up as well.
1: I think they have to be now. I think, I imagine their confidence is at an all-time low after yesterday. And, you know, you're looking at the fixtures they have. I think they've still got Chelsea, Arsenal are in there as well. I think there's two, is it Chelsea, Arsenal? I think there's two
2: top teams they've got to play. They've got Tottenham and Chelsea, Chelsea last day. So Chelsea uh, last day is not what you want for the team that are probably going to be. That's,
1: yeah, that's, that's a painful one if it does go down to the last day. Um, And also Chelsea are obviously going to be fighting themselves for the the league title. So really tough run of games. I just can't see them getting out of it now.
2: Elsewhere, Brighton narrowly beat West Ham 1-0. Now, talking of that relegation battle, the win takes Brighton five clear of the drop zone. A nice bit of breathing space, thanks to Kayleigh Green's second half goal. Melissa Phillips seems to have settled in at just the right time, doesn't she, Jenna?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, since she's come in, they look like a a new team out there. She's got the best out of her players. She's got them fighting, I think, out of possession. They look really organised. You know, it looks like she's been there for, for a lot longer than she has. And, you know, the players are obviously reacting to her. They're getting results. They're getting points. And I think there's some good play they've got obviously good players on paper and now we're starting to see I think Katie Robertson's been fantastic the last couple of weeks and obviously yesterday again getting the assist for the Katie Green header and it was a bit of a controversial decision um handball West Ham Ham uh, sorry Brighton handball on the line which wasn't given but those kind of decisions they could change change the game but no I think Brighton now they've come into form at the right time i think melissa phillips has been fantastic since she's since she's um, been in and you know if they survive i can only see them i don't think they'll be in this position again next season i think they'll kick on
2: she she certainly seems really highly rated obviously the the league lost her to the end of wrestle and swiftly brought her back which is which is great news it was a crucial victory for brighton and their manager, obviously very highly rated, Melissa Phillips, believes this could be the turning point for the group.
0: It's belief in the in the tank. It's something that we can continue to build on. It's it's the efforts paying off. The, the training standards that we're raising, the shift that we're having in how we communicate to one another the managing key moments in the game, like all those things play into it that we can continue building upon. And we said it, we don't just want to stay in this league. We want to make a good account of ourselves and thrive. And I think we did that today. Now,
2: things are looking up for Brighton, but sadly, the same cannot be said for West Ham, who are on a torrid run of form, actually the worst run of form in the league, um, which at least it's not Tottenham anymore. Uh, They haven't won a league game since December the 11th. Now, friend of the show, Kate Longhurst, released an Instagram post on Sunday evening. I'll read a little bit of it here. She said, I've played and dedicated nearly 30 years of my life to football and not once in my whole career have I felt so low in confidence and destroyed as I am in this moment. We as players have stuck together and got each other's back no matter what. We need something to change, to bring that belief back, and we hope we can do that soon. Now, reading between those lines certainly doesn't seem like too much of a happy camp at the moment. Is it writing on the wall for Paul Koncheski? Is that what needs to change? What what do you think is going wrong at West Ham? Because they started the season pretty well and it's a good job they did. Or I think they might have been really in this relegation battle.
1: Yeah, I mean they're close to getting dragged into, it, aren't they? So as you say, that that's very fortunate that they picked up their points early on and 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 could have afforded not to not to pick up any more points at the moment. But yeah, I mean the, it's an interesting post, isn't it? Obviously, Kate is West Ham through and through, like bleeds West Ham, and it's a difficult time. And you know when you when you just can't see a way out of it, I think they're not, you know, they're just even not getting any luck. They're not haven't had that winning feeling for so so long your confidence does go you know I think you're getting to a point where players aren't being brave on the ball they haven't got that confidence that they did at at the beginning of the season and it, it's interesting that she says that the team and and players are doing everything that she can that they can so yeah I think they obviously need something to change within them. Um, I think if they're not, they're not careful, they could possibly get dragged into this relegation battle. But be interesting to see what happens during the summer there with uh, with their management. But yeah, not picking up a win in it, since December, it's um, that's enough to knock any player's confidence. To be honest,
2: you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talksport Two. I'm Molly Hudson, and next we'll be joined by the ECA's head of Women's Football, Claire Bloomfield as European club players may be unable to join up with their World Cup teammates until 10 days before the tournament. We'll get the latest on this next. On DAB+, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. It's a wonder goal! The home for women's football. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football with me, Molly Hudson and Jenna Shalaki. We're available on podcast as well, don't forget. Plenty of places you can download us, but first, head to the TalkSport app to find us or you can obviously subscribe elsewhere as well. Joining me now, I've got Claire Bloomfield, Head of Women's Football at the ECA. Thank you for joining us, Claire. I know it's a very busy time for you. A lot going on in the background. Although I have to say, I bet it's a lot nicer for you in Switzerland than it is here in a pretty grim and miserable London. Yeah, the sun is
0: shining and I think summer is on its way. So yeah, things are, are looking good on the weather front, that's for sure.
2: Well, look, it's all right for some of you, isn't it? Not so much over here. Um So we've talked about the worrying rise of ACL injuries on the show a lot. We talked about it earlier today, too. Now, your team are heading up some research on this, aren't they? And I just wanted you to talk a little bit about that, if you can, please. Yeah, I mean,
0: in our women's football strategy, um, which we published, gosh, back in March 2021, um, we committed to tackling these neglected areas of medical research that were specific to female players. Um, We currently have two studies ongoing, which we are funding. Um, One of those will actually be published in June 2023, so in in just a few weeks' time. Um, And we'll announce the findings of that when we host our Women's Football Summit um, in London at the end of June. Um, Now, they're not all specifically targeting ACL injuries, but they are in the areas which are possibly influencing factors. Um, and, and importantly, these projects, as well as working with industry experts, uh, are being led by our Women's High Performance Advisory Group. So that's a group which is composed of club doctors, physios, sports science experts, um, and they're all working with women's clubs around Europe. Um, this group actually met at Es Roma a couple of weeks ago. Um, and ACL injuries were, were on the agenda at that point. Um, and together with um, Dr. Francesco Diavia from the isokinetic medical group, we talked about everything from biomechanics, uh, the rate of ACLs occurring in either offensive versus defensive phases of play, um, even how the emotional well-being of the player can be a key factor, um, contact versus non-contact. And even the rotational component, so eyes on the ball, which is also an important element. So, I mean, we're absolutely committed to making progress in, in this space. Um, but it, it really is a, a collaborative effort.
2: And I know there's been a lot of frustration, understandably, from clubs, from players, from fans, you know, saying, look, there's not enough research, but from your point of view, how important is it to do the right research, do it properly? And I guess there's there's no sort of magical quick fix, is there? But we're all trying to push in the right direction.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right. And, you know, I often say that our clubs are very competitive on the pitch and very collaborative off it. Um, and the advisory group is a really great way of, of how we're kind of bringing big and small clubs together, clubs who are in different stages of their journey in professionalisation. Um, you know, and I've also seen lots of talk on social media recently, sort of asking whose responsibility is it to solve the challenges around ACLs? But well, actually, in my view, it's a collective responsibility. And it's really only through everybody working together that will make the progress that we so desperately need in this space. Um, I mean, there's 30 years of research and something like 30 odd thousand research papers in this uh, this area. So we're still not, despite that, seeing the sort of significant decreases in injury rates in women and girls that we would like. Um, and we're now looking at ways that how we work with the other stakeholders um to take a more coordinated approach to doing both high quality and value adding research.
2: And you mentioned it there that, you know, that a lot of these teams are kind of big rivals on the pitch, but it really is a common goal for, for everyone to try and find some sort of not a solution to this, but some sort of progress, because ultimately this is affecting, you know, the biggest competitions in, in European football and, you know, also in world football right now, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's really incredible to watch all of the clubs come together and and collaborate on these topics. Um, Aside from the kind of projects and the research that they're leading, when our advisory group come together, it almost becomes a bit like a clinic. Um, Clubs sharing case studies of um, it might be some research they've done within their own club. It might be on um, a particular player's uh, comeback from injury and the steps that they've taken. Um, But it's great to see all of the clubs working together in this way. And actually, it's been so so successful um, with the women's clubs that we'll now look to see how we can replicate this kind of advisory group model in men's football too.
2: Okay, women leading the way. We love to see it. We Um, certainly do. (laughs) Now, we we know, as you mentioned briefly there, there's a lot of kind of risk factors and and things that can make a difference in terms of these ATO injuries and a lot of other big injuries in the women's game. We know the calendar is an ongoing issue. We listen to so many managers um, repeatedly moaning about it, Um, but that risk of injury is a really big driver in these player welfare concerns. And it's why the ECA released a statement a couple of weeks ago, highlighting the importance of rest time ahead of this summer's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. Now, obviously, hugely exciting tournament coming up. We want to see the best players there. We know some already are ruled out. Obviously, England captain Leah Williamson. Um, but with the hope of not ruling any more of these big names out, or or anyone really, with that World Cup dream, can you just talk a little bit about the ECA's work on on trying to make sure that players actually have a bit of a rest at the end of this pretty grueling domestic season before they then go into camp because I know some teams, including England, were kind of mentioning the idea of starting a camp in, in mid-June, which, you know, doesn't, doesn't give a huge amount of rest from sort of like Champions League final in that, in that first week of June, really.
0: Yeah, you're right. There really is a serious concern for player welfare. And, and you know, we the, the issue of early call-ups is is a hangover from the game and it's amateur form. Um, We know it obviously generates tension in the relationship between clubs and and players as well. Yeah, there is a concern for for player welfare. Um, That was the the reason that the clubs issued the mandate that they did to us a couple of weeks ago. Um, The issue of early call-ups is very much a hangover from the game in its amateur form. Um, It obviously generates a lot of tension in the relationship between clubs and their players as well. Um, But we're now actively working with stakeholders throughout women's football to try and find a solution. And actually, I've been really encouraged by the level of dialogue so far and a real willingness to work together. And I mean, that willingness that we see is synonymous with the women's game. We talk about this often, Um, but it's really in everyone's best interest that we find a solution quickly. Um, And that's why I'm awake day and night at the moment, having conversations with people in various parts of the world trying to find the most appropriate way forward.
2: and We actually touched on it earlier on about the idea of the the women's game, maybe in the future, sort of setting out a path for the men's game. I suppose just, just for you kind of working in this day to day, how important is it that we don't just, you know, copy what the men's game does because, you know, we, we mentioned with a lot of these female specific injuries, a lot of this stuff is, is actually very different to the issues that the men's game will have and, you know, we can't expect these players to play exactly the same amount of games as men's football or necessarily play in the same windows and all of this kind of stuff. So what? how cool is it, I guess, to be to be part of women's football kind of staking its own claim, finding its own path out there? Yeah, I think it's really important. You know, we,
0: we're, we have the position where we're able to take learnings from, um, from the men's game. Um, but we really do need to develop a bespoke approach. Um, and that's in everything that we do. Um, both in the regulation and the frameworks that sit around the game, both in uh, terms of research, injury re- rehabilitation and so on, um, and also around the calendar. And I think now as people's focus starts to turn to the cop- the calendar longer term, um, thinking of sort of 2025 onwards, these are all important strands of the conversation in terms of how do we build a calendar that is right for women's football? And again, that really needs a joint stakeholder approach to make sure that we do strike the right balance between club and national team football and essentially play a rest.
2: Look, it sounds like you've got plenty plenty on your plate, plenty to be getting on with. Um, so, so we'll let you leave us now. Thank you so much for joining us, Claire. No, thank you very much. Thank you to Jenna Shalachi, Claire Bloomfield, Ian Abrahams, producer Will, and of course, all of you as ever for listening. Don't forget, if you miss any of the show live, you can download the Women's Football Weekly podcast via the TalkSport app or listen back throughout the week. Britain feels broken, but how do we fix it?
0: Westminster just doesn't seem to have the answers, but we have found some people who do. Join me, journalist Becca Hudson. And me, the former MP Ed Vasey, for How I'd fix. From the price of a pint to the housing crisis, this is the show where we take an alternative look at the problems plaguing the nation. And hear practical solutions from those in the know. Catch new episodes of Howard Fix wherever you get your podcasts. Rebuilding Britain starts here.